Hello and welcome to another episode of Chapter 2's Talent Ed podcast. It's my pleasure to welcome Charlotte Curley to the show today. Charlotte has a wealth of experience across talent acquisition and has worked both agency and in-house for some amazing companies like Rolls-Royce, PA Consulting and Octopus Investments. Charlotte shares her insight and experience and lets us know her thoughts on the current climate, the counteroffer culture, the great resignation and how the control now sits with the candidate, as well as telling us her experiences with employer branding and tech talent tools that she would recommend at this point. To understand more about Charlotte's experience and how she would plan for 2022 and beyond. Okay, so a huge thank you to one of my favourite guests so far, Charlotte Kelly, who um, I have been working with alongside, known of for quite a long time now. And I've been asking you regularly to come and join us on our Talent Ed podcast. And I finally worn you down and you're here. So thank you so much for coming along. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Um, so Charlotte is um, a very experienced uh, talent acquisition professional, um, slightly different to kind of normal guests that we have um, on the on the show, um, just in that you have worked for some very large uh, companies and um, sort of those slightly uh, more corporate enterprises as opposed to, you know, startups or scale ups who we've been speaking to more recently. But with everything in the market as it is at present, and I think everybody experiencing very similar things in terms of challenges, et cetera, um, I thought you'd be the perfect guest to have on. Um, so I wanted to sort of start by handing over to you, Charlotte, just to tell us a little bit about your career so far, where you've been, what you've done. I know you've kind of worn many hats, you know, in terms of agency, in-house, et cetera. So just to tell us a bit about that as an intro. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, you've built me up, so uh, <laughs> here it goes. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I started my recruitment career, as many do, in agency. So um, IT, tech, recruitment. Uh, did that for a number of years before moving in-house um, with Alexander Mann on-site at Rolls-Royce. So I joined there as a resource specialist to, again, focus on tech, global IT, and then ultimately ended up looking after all of corporate functions. So did that for a couple of years and then moved in-house to work directly for Rolls-Royce. So went, uh, went over and worked with them. When I was there, I was looking at exec resourcing, so exec talent acquisition and hiring kind of the most senior talent and also some project work as well. So got involved with a little bit of designing e-learning modules and, and things like that, which then led me to PA Consulting, where we first met. Um, I was talent acquisition manager, looking after early careers, corporate recruitment, um, recruitment marketing, and most of um, the recruitment operations. So ATS's website, all of that jazz, which was Great, and that led me to Octopus as their recruitment operations manager. So whistle stop tour um, <laughs> my career through the years, and we won't say how long it was because we don't want to give away your age. But um, obviously, you kind of gained a lot of experience in that time, um, and also across kind of a few pillars of recruitment, I suppose. So 
we obviously have spoken before, um, but I think um, a good place to start would potentially be to understand sort of in your experience and your perception of how the market is currently um, versus, you know, let's say um, five, 10 years ago, um, but also pre kind of pandemic time as well. What what have you sort of seen as kind of some of the, the major changes during that period? Sure. So I think now and, and everybody I think is experiencing the same thing, that it's very, very much a candidate driven market. So candidates have multiple offers on the table right now. I think that's no surprise to anybody. They're interviewing at lots and lots of different places. The speed at which you get through an interview process is more important now than ever. And that candidate experience, whilst I would argue it's, it has always been important, yeah, I think now it can make or break people's decisions. Whereas in the past, there's probably a few less roles around and maybe candidates were a little bit more forgiving with how the candidate experience has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's that's certainly something we're seeing right now. We're seeing a lot more candidates are getting through the, the process and then getting to final off and they've got lots and lots of other offers on the table or we've had a couple of candidates who will accept and then they'll accept something else and they'll kind of renege on your offer, um, yeah. which is, which is again, a, a real shame, but um, it's happening more and more at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think certainly in the past, I mean, maybe it was just how it felt but it it, it didn't feel as difficult it didn't feel as uh, competitive there seemed to be more candidates available you could advertise and and maybe post and pray a little bit more and you might get the right candidates whereas now if your job advert isn't quite up to scratch you're not selling yourself as an employee or maybe your career site isn't isn't really selling you Mm -hmm. um it's more of a struggle certainly that's that's my perception of of where we are right now trying to hire mm-hmm. yeah we've absolutely had the same um you know sort of feedback I mean clients that we're working with are talking about having to fill one role sometimes three times because yeah, of yeah. that counter offer culture that everybody's talking about and, and that sort of thing and you've also got um, a target to hit but then because of the higher levels of attrition that are going on in the background you know it's almost feels like a li- little bit like you're on a treadmill you know and you just can't almost get to that point where you're hitting the target um so it's that's absolutely echoes you know what we're hearing in the market um i think that poses a difficult question as well for many companies however large or small um of how they then start to think about planning you know strategic mm-hmm. workforce planning for next year 2023 you know where do you start with that yeah it's incredibly tricky um very timely as well because we have been looking at this and oh really (laughs) I may have mentioned it to you over the last couple of weeks and and I think part of the challenge is if if you look back at your historic data the last 18 months have kind of been a write-off because you know we didn't have a lot of hiring then we had a huge amount of hiring coming out of COVID so to to try and map what attrition might look like or what your workforce plan should should look like it it can be very difficult mm-hmm. um, what we have done is looked back so pre-covid last year this year first half of the year for us and looked at what that those trends look like what attrition looks like what growth looks like in terms of the different departments and then tried our best to map what we think the second half of the year is going to look like yeah appreciating that actually 
it could continue like it is now and hiring is, is really booming or it could quieten down. We're hoping maybe um, towards Christmas it quietens down again, but I expect a really, really big January and February for people moving, uh, looking for new roles. And, and then ultimately that means we'll have to hire more, more people. Um, so yeah, incredibly tricky. And I think it's it's difficult to get the workforce planning right, particularly in, in the climate right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a, it's a fun challenge to have. <laughs> And I suppose staying as close to it as you possibly can is maybe one of the the key things, because like you say, you don't you can't really predict because it's such a period of uncertainty. And actually, you might you might think something and and have a lot of actually a lot of evidence or data to support that. But, you know, the way things are at the moment, it then could change, you know, suddenly. And so, um, you know, having the ability to kind of pivot as needed. I think a lot of companies are sort of striving for that and trying to find um, a model or a setup that allows them to do that. Um, so I think as well, that kind of comes onto the point about, um, you know, what you're saying with regards to um, career sites or visibility now, because the market is so competitive. And I think competitive is the perfect word for it. It is so competitive. And I think people are suddenly very aware that, um candidates in general have got you know they've got the control potentially they're looking for something a little bit more they're digging a bit deeper into the benefits or the work-life balance or all of those things of companies so that they can make the, the right choices for them um and it brings me on to the um the employer brand piece so obviously i know that that's been something um that you have um you know always kind of championed you were a judge at the rad awards last year what's your thoughts on that where does that kind of sit in terms of order of importance at this point or oh so i think in terms of your your employer brand generally um i think you're just so taking it back a few steps so your employer brand is you know what I suppose how it feels, what people think of when they look at your brand, do they aspire to work for you? All of those sort of things. Like what, what is that culture like? So mm-hmm. somebody who who maybe doesn't work for you, you know, what do they, how do they perceive your brand? So that that's kind of how I interpret it is from a candidate perspective. Yeah. So starting at the real, real basics, if you know, if you haven't got processes in place whereby you're responding to every single applicant that comes through, then that to me is really where you need to start. You need to look at the, the real basics. Are you replying to every single candidate, whether they're successful or whether it's a reject? And what's that? What reflection is that on your brand? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, then that can, can be really damaging your employer brand before you've even set up great campaigns or have video content or have, you know, all the best uh, marketing assets in the world if, if you're not responding to people then that's that's damaging you kind of in the background I suppose of course yeah so I think getting the basics absolutely right and looking at you know are, are your recruiters all using the systems in the same way which sounds really boring but actually that's kind of what drives good performance and that mm-hmm. drives a good candidate experience so get those right in the first place and really really basic things I suppose like um, every single touch point with a candidate you could use that as an opportunity to push out a bit more content on your company so some 
you know, life at content or maybe some little video clips if you have them, something like that. But every single touch point, ATS yeah. is now you can automate that. You can keep pushing out some content, which gets the candidate really engaged, keeps them engaged throughout the process when they might be talking to lots and lots of different employers but not all employers will be continually feeding them this extra information or exciting, engaging content. So I think getting those basics right is, is super, super important. And also a quick win when you're looking at like where to start on like a creating employer brand content, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, the next place for me is the career site. Most candidates are going to go to a career site. They're going to take a look. So Think about how you're selling yourselves. Have you got on there examples of your current employees? Have you got video content if it's available? Are you selling Mm -hmm. your benefits? So lots of companies, I'm sure, have incredible benefits packages, but they're not outwardly promoting those. They're not talking about, you know, what will we give you to join our organization? Not just what we want from you, but what Mm -hmm. are we prepared to offer? And what what is that kind of deal, I suppose, and and what's that going to look like? Um, I feel like I'm jumping around a little bit here but no absolutely <laughs> no you're... one more on the uh the website and this is another the thing that I've looked at over the years but job adverts if you're going out and you're trying to attract candidates to apply directly to you you've really got to make that job ad stand out more so nowadays when lots and lots of job seekers will be be scrolling so yeah. they'll be looking on their phones they'll be using their their mobiles to look for jobs if your job descriptions, your job adverts are, are really, really long and you just post them without thinking about how that's going to be consumed, you're probably not going to get as much engagement or as many applicants as, as you, you could. Um, and again, that's a real reflection of your brand, you as a company, you know, how do you sell yourselves? How do you talk about yourselves? And mm-hmm. if you can't sell the role in an advert, then what, you know, why would somebody apply? And it might be a brilliant role but you're just not, not selling it. So I think that's, that's super, super important. Um, and then on top of all of that, once you've, you've got those basics, once you've got those foundations in place, then you can start to think about, you know, campaigns and video content and some fun things you can do that really showcase your brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but without those, I think you, you almost need to, to do, do the work beforehand and then build on top. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I, I was actually at um, a conference recently um, organised by the IHR and um, <clears throat> one of the speakers from Reed was talking about um, feedback that they'd they'd received via one of the surveys. And um, I can't remember the exact percentage, but the number of candidates that were feeding back that they had been ghosted, you know, during the application process. And it was, yeah. it was you know, a really key talking point then. And, and all of the pan- panellists were saying exactly the same thing. You know, you can go out there with a very fancy kind of EVP and um and do all of the right content around it and don't get me wrong that is great and it's needed and it's very beneficial but like you say if they're not going to get a response from that employer these that that candidate might be part of the future talent pool if not the current talent pool you know for a particular role um and so that's going to do far more damage than if you don't have you know a fancy video or whatever it is so um i think that's a really really good and valid point and and maybe companies that even more established companies as well that are maybe getting ahead of themselves and they're trying to stand out and remain um, innovative and creative and all of those things actually must make sure that they 
take a look back as well and think, right, has, it, are the foundations in place? Are we using the ATS as we should? Have we got touch points at every point that's needed? And then, you know, see, see what impact that has as well. Um, so no, completely, completely agree. Um, and then, so I suppose moving on from that point, um, you mentioned obviously candidates coming in, also maybe a younger generation of candidates coming in. We talked about millennials, Gen Z, I think even millennials now are sort of considered a bit older. I think we've moved on from millennials, but um, I think there's there's that. Um, you know, companies need to become or remain attractive to them. You've had a lot of experience with that. Tell us, tell us your thoughts on that. How can you how can you um, implement an effective uh, younger generation uh, recruitment process? I think for early careers and I suppose a, a good example of where I've developed a, a scheme or program not on my own I should add lots and lots of people were involved but um, when I was at PA uh, we were looking at how do we keep hire the best talent first of all so mm -hmm. what is our our campaign what's our attraction campaign but then how do we design and, and devise a, a program whereby we retain really really brilliant graduate talent and what we did there was we looked at you know historic data and we looked at what we we thought our challenge was mm -hmm. in the early career space and then we designed a program whereby we we thought we could kind of um tackle those challenges yeah. And what we decided to do is, um, you know, young young talent now is maybe, I mean, same as always, I suppose, not entirely sure where they want to specialise. There's lots and lots of options around that when you finish school, university. Um, that could bring me on to a whole other point about apprenticeships, but I'll stick on, I'll stick on graduates for now. But the, the, the options are, are out there. There's lots and lots, and it can be quite overwhelming to know where you want to specialise. So... What we decided to do is build a rotational grad scheme so that you can come in, come into consulting where you might not necessarily know, you know, where you want to focus for your career and experience. You rotate around, you'll experience lots and lots of different um, client work. You'll specialize in different areas. And at the end of the scheme, you'll then decide where you want to to specialize and, and kind of grow your career. So I suppose my observations on on early talent now is that they want to to not be bound into into a career lots of people will it's become kind of quite typical to job hop every 18 months and get that almost portfolio career mm -hmm. and as employers to think about how can you offer that within your organization so look at internal mobility how do you how do you offer a breadth of opportunity but without your employees and your young talent feeling like actually they have to have to move yeah so we created a this scheme whereby you rotate take three times and you get to get that experience and and hopefully you know not looking to to then move on um, quite so quickly and you can see that you can build and develop and, and progress within one organization which mm -hmm. is probably more of a mindset of you know generations before as opposed to now but um, it was what can, can we do to really in, engage that and keep retain that talent really and did that have a big impact on retention so I don't know yet the scheme <laughs> launched uh September 2020 21 mm -hmm. we launched actually we advertised in 2020 and then the first cohort joined in 21 
So um, to be seen. Watch the space. <laughs> yeah, that was certainly the intention. But, um, um, but I think, to be honest as well, I think that that is something, I mean, you know, that's that can apply and be very successful in a really large company. But actually, even for a smaller, you know, startup, um, you know, I'll use chapter two as an example. If, if grads were coming in now to our world, they could gain amazing experience in talent acquisition, employer brand, sales, implementation, you know, a, a multitude of things. And, and we're at sort of 45 people. So that can only grow and grow. So I think potentially companies aren't thinking like that when they're bringing t- talent in. But actually mm. what we're seeing and the feedback that I hear a lot is that now with everything so competitive and especially within any kind of uh, tech role, tech talent, anything like that as well, maybe people need to start or companies need to start thinking about upskilling as well and, and what are they investing in their existing staff as well as thinking about attracting that future staff and um, I, I think many people are thinking that but I think it's a really good point um, and you've obviously had a lot of um, experience in tech recruitment specifically so you know I'm sure you know how um, competitive it is and that was even going back a, a few years as well um, but maybe that should be um, a priority for people moving forward. You know, let's look at who we've got already and how they can move internally, mobilise them internally and upskill them internally. Absolutely. And um, so just having a think as well about things like um, we talk about data insights in our world all the time. And uh, we talk about sort of tech tools and we talk about anything like that that's that's going to allow you to kind of get ahead and um you know, have a, a deeper knowledge of talent and where it sits and how you can find it and how you can be attractive to it. Um, and you mentioned something to me about, you know, when you worked all those years back at AMS, they were kind of quite forward thinking it with that. How do you think that's evolved and kind of how crucial do you think that is now in recruitment? So I think the the tech available is, is amazing. You know, every every few months you see something come out, a new product come out or um, something that you think, yeah, you know, this this is great. Yeah. And I suppose I'm always thinking when when you go along, you listen to a new piece of tech, a new platform, new product, whatever it might be, is it solving, do we have that problem? So, you, you know, mm-hmm. it looks great, but is it actually going to solve an issue that we have? And, and I've trialled various things um, over the last few years and looks great, give it a trial and, and actually the results aren't, aren't maybe quite what you need. Others, you trial it, it's incredible and that becomes, you know, your, your new platform for sourcing or, or whatever it might be. So, yeah, I think kind of taking it back to the, the point we were talking about earlier on data and insights, if you're collecting the right information and your recruiters are using your systems in the right way and you can really, really pull that, that great data and those great insights out from what you're doing now, you can start to identify your challenges. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to look at the market and say, okay, what's out there? What new tech, what new platforms are there that could help us deal with that specific challenge? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's very easy to get quite excited about all, all these new things that are available. But actually, if you drill down and, and get the data piece right in the first place, mm-hmm. you'll start to see what's really going to enhance your process, what's going to make your recruiters' lives easier, what's going to get you to, to hire that candidate maybe quicker or uh, better quality candidates, depending on what your challenge is. Um, yeah. And I, I remember at, at the time, 
thinking the data was you know something really painful and all these reports and dashboards would, would come up and um you know really drive performance but but actually now that's exactly what I've been building in previous roles and exactly what I use now to look at you know how do we make decisions and and yeah. I think that that's certainly certainly the way I approach it I think there's some incredible tools out there that that have come to the market in the last few years I quite like the um the insights tools you can use. So mm-hmm. um, I know there's uh, Horsefly and there's LinkedIn talent insights, which really give you that kind of ground information and, and that data to start your search, search from. Um, the way messaging platforms are going, so moving away from, you know, kind of spamming cam- candidates maybe just through LinkedIn or using that as your primary channel to start these messaging and more conversation platforms, particularly for tech talent. Yeah. Yeah. These are amazing and, and innovations that are, are really kind of moving, moving candidate sourcing forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there, there's lots of exciting stuff out there, but I, I'd probably always try and look at what your challenge is first before before implementing um, anything that that might not work for you, I suppose. Yeah. I don't know if you even answered the question, actually. No, I actually but think that's a really good answer monologue. because you're so right. There's there's a lot of platforms out there and they all do great things. And actually you could get so easily sucked up into like, I'll just have it all, you know, but actually yeah. what who what are you as a company? Who are you looking for to join you? Where do they hang out? What's the key message? You know, understanding all of that before you go in, um, and just kind of go on every platform or take up every um you know piece of software whatever it might be that is that is a very strategic and good response so no i think i think that's a really good piece of advice for anyone that's watching and is thinking do you know, what do i need what do i need to stand out to stay ahead etc um okay so that kind of brings it us nearly to a close but i just what i wanted to do and i'm putting you a bit on the spot so apologies but Let's just assume that everyone's looking ahead to 2022 and thinking, oh, my goodness, where do I start? What's the priority? What, what, uh, where, am I, where am I going with this? What, what would be sort of the three things, the three main things, I suppose, that you would say, think about these things, prioritise these things, you know, and, and you won't go too far wrong? It's a great question. Um, right. We'll give this a go. <laughs> What would my three things be? Um, I think getting the right team in place. And this is a huge challenge right now. Certainly one that um, I know lots and lots of people are are experiencing. Hiring recruiters is is tough. Really, really tough. Yeah. But um, without plugging chapter two too hard, there are other (laughs) solutions out there. So looking at your team, looking at who you need, looking at, you know, we, we touched on earlier how difficult it is to know what that workforce plan is going to look like moving forwards, but trying to get get a grip of, you know, what, what might that look like? What does the team need to look like? Yeah. And so I think that's really important to start with, that you, that you have the right recruiters, that you have the right team structure, and, and whether that is using partners to, to help you or whether it's an in-house team, whatever's right for, for your company. But I definitely think that's where you need to start. Um, do you need... Uh, employer brand specialist do you need somebody that's focusing just on talent pipelining you know you'll know what's right for for your organization so yeah. I think that's definitely the place to start mm-hmm. I then think looking at the data looking at your processes making sure that you've got that solid foundation is again it's it's 
kind of makes sense logically to, to make sure that you're in that space. You can, can start to identify some pain points, some areas you need to focus on. Look at what tech's out there, like, like yeah. we've said. Um, and then I think the, the final piece would be start to think about how you can really give candidates an insight into your company. How yeah. do you promote yourself? And, and lots of companies have done really cost-effective, you know, videos on phones and, and really uh, authentic pieces of, you know, maybe yeah. blogs or there's loads of ways to do it. It doesn't have to be a, a super expensive um, mm-hmm. company video. It doesn't have to be a massive campaign, but start to think about how you really promote yourselves as an employer of choice and what would a candidate want to know like what are the best bits about working at at your organization or um why has somebody stayed for 10 years and moved around three different roles or you know talk about their stories people who work part-time um promote your your employees and promote those people who work for you so I think they're my three yeah, definitely. <laughs> Authenticity there as well is like the, my favourite word. You can spend a fortune on a video when you can tell it's models in the picture or whatever. And actually having something that's a little bit more cost effective, but is very authentic and it's, you know, a genuine insight into your world. Then I'm, I think that people take the, you know, the latter um, far more at face value. Um, yeah, so, no, that's brilliant. Sense. Oh, well, thank you so much. Honestly, I've loved having you on. I'm so glad that I finally convinced you to join me. And um, it's been a blast. I think um, you've added some amazing insights for anybody who's kind of, you know, thinking about next year, what they what their challenges might be and how they might be able to overcome them. So, um, yes, thank you so much again, Charlotte, for joining me. Thanks for having me.